We have another substitute teacher edition podcast on WNUR. A couple weeks ago, it was me and Austin Miller taking care of the women's basketball podcast. Myself being Matt McHugh. I am back here, this time for Amit Malik on Rounding the Bases. Amit is out there in Indianapolis with the women's team in the Big Ten tournament. Go Cats, we're rooting for you guys. Um, but I'm here with Ben Boken and Henry Demore uh, to talk a little Northwestern baseball. A big weekend last time out against Kansas and a big one coming up against Texas, battle of Big 12 opponents. We're going to talk a little bit about both of those series and maybe give a little bit of predictions going forward for the rest of non-con. Guys, how you doing? Henry, I know you were just out there in Kansas, which was a pretty fun weekend. Yeah, I had a blast. Uh, the, the the bus rides were long, but the company was great. I was there with Sam Brief, uh, the rest of the, the coaching staff, the players, uh, everybody uh, from, you know, Allie, uh, the trainers, everybody was really hospital made, made it made two 10-hour bus rides about as awesome as they could be yeah so i had a really good time and I, it also helped that i slept right through one of them yeah that, one that, of them does not exist in my memory that's a big move it's a big move and we have our first timer ben boken here on the podcast as well ben how you doing i'm doing great it's the the best time of the year baseball season teams looking up really excited but uh some tough opponents up but, yeah you know should be, a, should be a fun weekend. Let's delve right into the action from last weekend, starting with that Friday night game. Northwestern going up against Jackson Goddard of the Kansas Jayhawks, one of the better Friday night starters, not only in that Big 12, but really in all of college baseball this year. Um, and he, he, he had another pretty solid start. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a stud. And, and the Cats knew that coming into the game, that the, the starting pitching was the hallmark of this Kansas team. Uh no, the rest of the the rest of the team showed up this weekend as well, but the starting pitching was what kept Northwestern out of this game. Goddard is uh, on a lot of on a lot of MLB draft boards. He's a, he's a first or second rounder. Um, it, but here's but it shows you also how stacked the Big Twelve is. It's because Kansas, as a Big Twelve team, is a middle of the pack team. They finished thirty and twenty eight last year. They finished seventh in the, in the Big Twelve. But the Big Twelve is such a loaded conference that a middling Big Twelve team is as good as your best Big Twelve Big Ten team. Totally, totally agree with that. Honestly, though, I mean. You have Jackson Goddard. I mean, he, you're right. He's he's amazing. He's a total MLB prospect. He fanned a team high, 75 batters last year, 75 strikeouts. So just goes to show you, he's a strikeout machine. His ERA was a little high last year, but I mean, so far he's really improved, and I think that uh, he's on for a, for a way better year. And despite that, the Cats were able to hang in this game, even though they fell behind for nothing. Uh, Jax Groshans, one of the better hitters on the Jayhawks. Uh, hit a dinger in the first inning to get things going. Devin Foyle, another really solid MLB draft prospect type, came through with a couple more RBIs. They went up 4 nothing in the fifth, but then in that sixth inning, Northwestern started to get to Goddard. Henry, I'm going to ask you specifically, what, what do you think that was about the sixth inning? Was Goddard starting to get tired? Was it Northwestern just seeing him more? Because it seemed like they started to turn the tides a little bit in that sixth inning. I think Northwestern just got just got very opportunistic. I think they, they, they went back to what they were good at. And I think just after a couple times through the lineup, they started to see. Because Goddard's pitch count started to get a little high. So I think he, he just wasn't locating pitches as well as he wanted. He was leaving hard fastballs a little higher in the zone. And it wasn't like the Cats, you know, put together a fantastic inning. It was just a couple of singles. Alex Arrow was opportunistic on the base pads, put himself in scoring position. Uh, and it ended up uh, being a pretty big... Uh, um, not, not a, it wasn't a stolen base. It was he advanced a second on a throwing error, but 
Um, it ended up being really big because it allowed uh, Willie Bourbon, who had himself a heck of a series, who we'll talk about uh, yeah. later. But um, it allowed him to drive in Arrow. And Alex Arrow, one thing that's really impressive about him is no matter how hot or cold his bat gets, one, he finds a way to get on base just by virtue if he puts the ball in play like nobody's business. He's a really disciplined uh, hitter. He doesn't strike out much. He can draw walks. He can milk counts really well. Um, but once he's on the bases, he's a really intelligent base runner. Um, so he he sets himself and the rest of the lineup up for success. Um, but the the rest, the, aside from that sixth inning, the Jayhawks bullpen and the starting pitching was absolutely shut down. That's the thing I want to ask you, Ben, about is that that bullpen from the Jayhawks in this game, like Henry said, just lights out. Um, and Northwestern not able to get to them. They got put in a hole early because Quinn Lavelle wasn't quite as sharp. This is one of the first-year pitchers for the Cats. He had an excellent first start of his career against Nebraska-Omaha the weekend before. Wasn't quite as sharp in this game against Kansas, which is to be expected. But overall, Ben, out of those two things, what do you think was the bigger factor in deciding this game? I, I just really think Northwestern got a little unlucky. I know for I know that they had some runners in scoring position at some points, and they just couldn't knock him in. You mentioned Quinn Lavelle having a really good start against Nebraska Omaha. He he did really well. You you know he pitched five scoreless against them, but uh, I don't think he he did a bad enough job. I think you know he had he only had uh, four four in runs, and that's really not too big of a deal. And I think uh, I think the Cats just got really unlucky uh, hitting the ball. They just couldn't couldn't knock anyone in. One other note on this game, uh, good relief appearance from Rich Forden at the end. That was good for him. We know he struggled at times last year, but he's a big lefty. He can come in. They used him in some situational spots last year, and in this game, they just let him go out there for an inning and two-thirds, and he just mowed down the Jayhawks. Four Ks, not a single hit allowed in his inning and two-thirds of work. So shout out to Rich Forden there for that appearance. Now let's move on to the best game of the series with mm. no doubt about it, an 18-12 to win over Kansas on Saturday. 18 runs, guys. It's the most in the Spencer Allen era, and that's something that I just absolutely did not see coming. No way. No, especially after game one, right, when the Kansas uh, pitching staff was so stifling. And the Saturday starter, Taylor Tursky, I think I think after that he'll probably bump down to a the Sunday starter, but he wasn't he wasn't bad, but this wasn't like what you expect out of him. He wasn't a guy that you throw out there and kind of hold your breath, you see what you're going to get. He had really good numbers uh, coming into it, but I think... Uh, the Cats on the back of a pretty solid outing by Hank Christie. Again, you know, four and runs over four innings. That's that's serviceable. Um, but I, I was impressed with how they, um, they they just kept on. Hitting is contagious, right? And Spencer Allen, he, he preached that um, on Friday they couldn't get that big hit because the Cats had a couple opportunities to bounce back into this game. And you got to credit Rich Ford and uh, Tyler Lass and J.R. Reimer, the rest of them, the Cats' bullpen there, for keeping the Cats in that game, keeping that a 4-2 ball game. Uh, especially when you have someone like Devin Foyle who is going to get, you know, three hits and four of his at-bats almost yeah. every game, which, like, isn't too much of an exaggeration. That's the crazy <laughs> part. Um, but, no, they were able to keep the Cats in that game, but they couldn't get the big hit. But today they got, or on Saturday, they got big hit after big hit after big hit. Um, and Willie Bourbon had himself a career day. He finished just a single shy of the cycle. Um, you know, and, and everybody got on, on board on the hit parade, which I think was really exciting. It wasn't just, you know, three or four guys. Um, everybody got in on the action. Everybody got a little confidence boost, which I think was big uh, heading into Sunday. Yeah, I mean, we'll obviously be talking about Willie Bourbon a lot today because he's he's just going off for the team. But I what I think Saturday's game really showed for the team is that they can score runs. Really, the problem is is can they do it consistently while getting, you know, while getting support from their pitching staff, and then can the pitching staff get support from their uh, their hitters? And I, I mean. Saturday proved they, they can definitely hit. I just would like to uh, 
see if they can continue that uh, momentum going against Texas this weekend. And the thing you mentioned, Henry, about this being a, a hit parade for Northwestern with 17 hits, and when you put up 18 runs in a game, you expect there to be just a couple big flies, a couple like three-run homers or something to really beef up that total, but that's not really how this developed at all. It was all these doubles, just hit after hit after hit, stringing those together, and I, I don't have an answer for it other than hitting is contagious in that and everyone in that Northwestern lineup from top to bottom, they just kept turning it over. They were all seeing the ball real well. Yeah. No, it was really, really encouraging to see. Uh, and I think uh, one thing that uh, – I forget who it was. We were at the hotel after uh, after game two. Because um, I think something to point out is, yes, the Cats scored 18 runs, but they also gave up 12. Right. Um, which, which is a little concerning. And maybe you think, okay, well – the pitching staff wasn't pitching with, you know, as, as much of a sense of urgency when you have, you know, multiple seven-run cushions, uh, you know. But but Kansas had a couple opportunities to get back in this game, um, which was really uh, kind of scary. Uh, there, there was a one point where, if you look at the box score for this, it, it looked really, really messy because at one point, um, Rich Price, the Kansas head coach, he, he saw his team was down by six late in the innings, late in innings, and so he just kind of emptied his bench. He pinch hit for, like, six straight guys in the lineup. and But those six guys produced... All of a sudden, they not you know single walk, you know sack bun, all that fun stuff, and the Jayhawks had they were down six, but they had the bases loaded and one out uh, in the bottom of the eighth inning, I believe it was, and it was who it was it ended up being uh, Blaine Ray who pinch hit in Devin Foyle's spot, right? So you think, wow, if this was a you know if, if the if the Jayhawks if, if Rich Price hadn't emptied his bench, you would have had the most dangerous hitter in this lineup by yeah. far with a big opportunity to be to make this a, an eighteen to sixteen game. Uh, which which sounds weird coming out of my mouth, but like that's close. Um, yeah, no, but yeah. that's close. That, that that's a couple bad pitches away from the cats sitting there. Like, huh, how do we score eighteen runs and lose? Yeah, <laughs> right. But but the baseball's a funny game like that, right? You, you can pitch well enough on Friday to where you know to where you're, hypothetically you should win, and you can you can give up twelve runs and win by six. Right? It's, it's a funny game. Kind of wild. Yeah, yeah. There are a couple a couple of t- uh, pitching performances that probably were a little bit a little bit struggling for the cats in this one. Hank Christie, like you mentioned, he got the job done, but still a little bit rockier than he probably would have liked with those four runs in four innings. And Sam Lawrence, another great sophomore for the team last year. Remember all that excellent work he did in the Big Ten tournament. He's been off to a slow start this year as well. Is that something you guys are are concerned about? Like, is the sophomore slump a real thing, or are we just looking into two games maybe a little bit too much? I mean, that's that's really tough. I mean, the sophomore slump, really, it could be a real thing. there's, There's no proof of that. But... I, I wouldn't be too concerned. I, I think that this Northwestern lineup is, is really going to pick their pitchers up this season. I mean, that Saturday game, every every hitter in the in the starting nine got a hit, and that's and only uh, only one or no only only three out of the nine had uh, one hit, and everyone else had a multi-hit game. That's ridiculous. So yeah. That is that is <laughs> that is ridiculous. So I honestly I mean obviously you know you have to you know keep a lookout for that I mean that's something to to be a little concerned about pitching wise but I don't think it's something that's detrimental to uh, Northwestern season yeah and, and I think two things one the the ha- the the part of the bullpen that um, you know was was kind of on the outside looking in last year guys like Rich Ford and J.R. Reimer who had you know who, who struggled with consistency at times last year you know they had one-off you know like like really good starts and you know it, I think it's 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 tough to judge, you know, Sam, you know, a- anyone's season so far based on two or three appearances, exactly. right? So uh, if nothing, you know, it it would be a little more concerning if you know if everyone in the bullpen had two rough starts in a row, right? But even then, that's tough to draw large uh, generalities with. Um, 
but also, um, I think it's it's been, it's been encouraging to see that, or, or rather, we saw last year what Sam Lawrence can do, right? Yeah. He's that lefty specialist. He's that niche guy. He, we've seen the ceiling he has, right? I don't think Spencer Allen is going to let him not reach that ceiling. I don't think he's going to let himself yeah. not reach that ceiling. I think he holds himself uh, really to a really high standard. He's not going to, you know, he's seen what he can do, and he's seen that he can be the guy in this Northwestern bullpen, um, especially with uh, the departure of, oh, my gosh, what was... Um, Pete, my, my favorite, yeah, Pete Hoffman. Pete Hoffman, yeah. yeah. No, you know, hard throwing uh, closer. He, he, I think he wants to be that guy. And as a lefty, he's, he's, his value goes up a little more. Yeah, I would agree with that. That he still has a good shot of getting some big time reps late in games at some key spots this year. Just because I'm gonna trust that body of work that he put in last year way more than I look into this this one game against Kansas with a, a couple rough at bats here and there. That was a rough note to end on, guys. They won 18 to 12. 18 runs is pretty darn good. Let's wrap up the series with a little talk about the Sunday game. Losing this one 10-3. This one was a tough game for the Cats from the get-go. Ryan Zephyrjohn, that Kansas starter, uh, throwing 98 miles an hour. That's something that you just have to do a double take when you see 98 flash up on the scoreboard. Henry, again, you were there for this. Did it look every bit as hard as the 98 that we see right here? He was chucking. Yeah. yeah. No, that was what you, you could tell from wherever you were in the ballpark. You had, like, I mean, from, from the pop of the glove to just how quickly the kid's arm moved. Uh, I mean, I, I was sitting there in, in the booth trying to, like, mentally, like, time it up and be like, you know, oh, okay, if I was in the batter's box, how would I, you know, decide which pitches to swing at? You, it's a glorified guessing game yeah. <laughs> when, you're, when you're facing a guy like that. Um, and I think the one thing that... Uh, we were looking at even from his numbers last year, his previous start um, was he he struck out. I think the, the start before that, if I remember correctly, he he went like he went five or six innings and he struck out like eight or nine guys, but he also beaned four guys um, and walked one. So his control is a little bit of an issue. And uh, even Spencer Allen knew when we interviewed him before the game, he's like, no, he's got a live arm, so we got to be disciplined at the plate. Um, but that was not an issue today yeah. or on, on Sunday. And uh, I think Sam and I, when we were on the broadcast, after like three innings, we're like, we're like, dang, he figured it out, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is going to be tough all of a sudden because yeah. not, only is he, not only is he throwing 98, but he's pounding the zone with 98. And, um, and, and, and Northwestern had, had a tough time with him. I mean, and there, you, I, the, the guy like that, you got to tip your cap. I, I don't think there's anything you can do about that. That's really true. I mean, we talked about Jackson Goddard. I mean, this guy really, really dominated Northwestern uh, on Sunday. It's funny how you can go from, from 18, 18 runs to three runs the next day. We talked about, you know, baseball is a funny game like that. But, I, yeah, he was he was really just doing a great job for, for Kansas. He, he allowed four hits, which is, you know, nothing in six innings. And, uh, you know, a couple walks. But Northwestern was able to tally on those three those three runs on him. So... Honestly, I mean, I, I was I was happy to see that. No matter what, three runs isn't much. It's a quality start for any pitcher. But I, w- I was really, really happy to see that Northwestern could at least get something on him. I mean, you, it was, it's really hard to do anything when you when you allow ten runs. But, you know, pitchers and, uh, pitchers and hitters got to pick each other up. Willie Bourbon's probably sitting here just laughing at our talk about praising Ryan's effort, John, because he seemed to have his number mm-hmm. in this game. Willie Bourbon, another dinger in this game. That's back-to-back games in the weekend for him with dingers. Uh, but outside of him and Leo Kaplan, who each had two hits in the game, the rest of the team went two for 25. And guys, that that's not good. And that's a, pretty much the exact opposite of Saturday's game, where it seemed like everyone was getting a hit. This one, it just seemed like Northwestern just could not buy a base runner at some key points in the game. And then as the as the, the pitching went on for Northwestern, it just got more and more out of hand. 
Yeah, the game sort of got away from them there uh, towards the end. But uh, what was encouraging was you see uh, was Casey O'Laughlin got in that bat and he he produced in it. Um, so even as uh, um, even as things started to kind of fall apart a little bit, um, guys were still making the most of their opportunities. Um, I think that's big for a guy like O'Laughlin. I think he's gonna we're gonna see him in and out of the lineup, um, kind of like Leo Kaplan or Cal Burnett Jr. were last year, kind of fluctuating. Uh, in and out, but I think it, it's going to be about you know we talked about this a lot in the in the preseason podcast about how much young talent there is and how much competition there's going to be and how good that is for the team because it's, it's going to bring out the best in everybody. Um, and I think O'Laughlin's going to be a guy like that who's going to be constantly fighting for a spot. But you're going to see nothing but the best from him uh, and guys like Calvert Jr. as they you know kind of want to cement their place in the starting lineup. Absolutely. I mean. I kind of want to talk about Danny Katz a little bit. I mean, you know, he had a great start against Nebraska-Omaha, and then he comes into Sunday, and obviously, you know, not, not quite what he wanted. Seven hits, you know, six runs allowed, but, I mean, that, that really did, uh, that, that picked up his ERA a little bit. But, you know, what, what, do, you, what do you think the Cats need to do to get their, to get their uh, starters back in order and really just keep them confident for going especially into this Texas that's, series. That's going to be the key question coming into this Texas series because Danny Katz, that's another guy who, like you say, you look good against Omaha. Um, but this is just something I think is is getting used to starting because Danny Katz has had some really solid relief appearances over the last couple years uh, for Northwestern. But, you know, it's, it's a next man up kind of situation when you lose someone like Cooper Weatherby who really stepped into that rotation really well last year. If you remember, that wasn't exactly a smooth or easy transition for Coop. He had some struggles, especially in his junior season. But I mean, the more reps you get on the mound, the more at-bats, the more batters you're facing, the more comfortable you get. And I think that's just the situation here for Danny Katz. There might be a little bit of fluctuation, but it kind of sounds kind of weird to say. I think that's what the non-con is for. Kind of get this out of the way, get those roles decided, get them locked down by the time you get into Big Ten play. And you know what? He's shown the flashes of being pretty good. I think you keep giving him those opportunities, and there's a pretty good chance that he just figures it out and becomes one of your lockdown starters come Big Ten play. No, I, I agree. I think, uh, like you said, the non-con, I think especially as Northwestern heads into um, uncharted territory, this is, the, this is the toughest non-con slate they've played in a while, but I think that's the way Spencer Allen wants it. I think uh, the, the coaching staff and the players, of course you want to win every game, but uh, they think they have tempered expectations and just not not wildly different goals for the non-con but just slightly altered expectations and goals right it's figure out who are going to be your friday saturday sunday starters right work out the kinks in this lineup just get guys reps and get guys seeing big 12 play especially i mean this this texas team they're they're ranked they're a top they're a top 25 team uh which is you know in a very top heavy big 12 conference i think northwestern um i think the expectations have to be shifted a little bit, but I think Spencer Allen has done a good job of um, of having a good perspective for this non-con slate. Let's look overall at that Kansas series now before we delve right into the Texas part. Was this series a success for Northwestern? Was this what they should have been hoping for coming into it? I was really happy with what I saw from Northwestern. I I mean, the first game, really staying in, in the game 4-2, to two, not, you know, not, not a blood or anything. Winning the second game, obviously, 18-12. to 12. Last game, not not exactly how they would have liked to go out, but I, I'm really excited to to see how this team can can play against Texas because they they looked pretty good against Kansas and if and we talked about before the podcast if if you can beat Big Twelve teams and you can beat these you know better baseball conference you know to put it to put it bluntly if you can beat teams in that uh 
in, in those conferences, then you could easily make some noise in uh, the Big Ten. Yeah, I got to say, it's hard to call anything a success if you lose two games out of the three, but I think I'm still going to say overall this was a pretty solid weekend for the Cats, um, not only because they got the win, but just that, that offensive explosion is going to be huge for confidence when the rest of the, not even just Big Ten play, when even this Texas series comes around, that, that lets you think like, hey, we're still in this game. We scored 18 runs off of a Big 12 team. At any point this year, if they fall down six or seven in like the fifth inning, they're going to sit there in the dugout and be like, guys, remember when we scored 18 runs off Kansas? String those hits together and then it could happen. And that's the kind of confidence you need because there's going to be those dog days. There's going to be those tough days uh, when a baseball season comes around. And just when you have that game that you played this season in the back of your head, I feel like that's going to be huge for confidence. So I'm going to take that and say successful weekend for the Cats. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, like you said, the off. I think the offensive explosion is what I think is the biggest confidence booster. Is to say, you know, um, you know, okay, yeah, we lost Joe Hoshite and Matt Hoffner last year. And I think that was the that was the biggest offseason question: who's going to replace that kind of production? And the answer is Willie Bourbon and company. Yeah, right. And company, but it, but it's but it is a two part thing, right? I think the no, cats, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, uh, even even in the games where they were, uh, you know, in in the eighteen to twelve ball game a reason they scored so many runs was they had you know everybody's running rampant on the base paths too right this is a speedy team and um especially the top of that lineup with dunn uh dunn dickey and arrow between those guys they came into the series with like 10 stolen bases and they left with almost 20 right, right. um so uh, if, if nothing else you have a lot of mobility on the base paths willie bourbon's starting to hit like i think we all thought he could right with power and he's becoming that guy i think he, we're seeing a more well-rounded northwestern offense and they've proven that against a big 12 team and that's that's a positive that's a win I do like to see the that preview in the beginning of the year. You get you get your uh, really what you want in the beginning of the season. You could see you could see what's happening with the uh, with the team. You know all the questions are answered. You get the uh, you know the the scares out of the way. You get the nerves out of the way, especially against really good opponents. And uh, I I really like what I what I saw from Northwestern, and especially because you know they scored 18 runs at one game and had 17 hits. And the next game had six hits and only three runs, so I like that they could get something like that out of the way, and and really just learn from that and take it take it into the uh, the rest of the season. Moving on now to Texas. Uh, first of all, Texas. Not only are they ranked, they are historically one of the best teams in all of college baseball. They made 58 NCAA tournaments. That's the most in all of college baseball. Six national championships. Right now they're sitting at number 23 in the country according to D1 Baseball's rankings. So. Pretty good team. Last year, they were a solid team as well. They were very, very close to advancing to a Super Regional before losing to Long Beach State in the regional round. Looking at this year's team now, they lost a tight series last weekend at LSU, winning one of those games, the final game, an 11-1 win for the Longhorns. Let's delve right into it, guys. For the Longhorns this weekend, what is the thing that they do the best that you're looking at coming into this weekend for Northwestern? Well, I think you mentioned it earlier. I mean, before the podcast, really, they they pitch really well and they they limit their their opponents to, you know, a very very small amount of runs, and that's that's really what drives this team. They they don't need a lot to score. They beat UTSA on Tuesday, uh, two to nothing. So really, I mean, they they have some young talent, really young pitchers, who are scary, yeah. and I and I think and I think that's that's really what drives that team is is pitching. A 3-1-5 ERA for the Longhorns this year, or last year rather, a 1-2-5 whip, 
Both of those numbers were top 20 in the entire country and top two in the Big 12. So they get the job done on the mound. And you know what? They also do it in the field. That's a hallmark of Coach Pierce's teams ever since he was at Tulane, Sam Houston State. Pitching and defense. 982 fielding percentage last year. That was the fourth best in the country. But the flip side of that, guys, they don't score that much. This is an offense that was very pedestrian last year. They were fine. They scored five runs a game, but that's only 205th in the country. And they lost their two leading hitters. Is that a potential path to victory for Northwestern in this series? I think so. I mean, I think especially against a team like Texas, you got to take what you can get. Um, you know, the, I think the offense is going to have to, their, Northwestern's offense is going to have to bring its A game. But I think, uh, if, if nothing else, uh, this is going to be a, a bigger test for Northwestern starters, especially we touched on it, um, you know, a few minutes ago about how that's kind of the main concern going forward is consistency out of the starters. Um, but I think, again, even though, you know, the numbers you have to, I still think you have to take with a little bit of a grain of salt, right? They scored five point runs or five runs per game last year. But I get a lot of those against really good Big 12 schools and yep. guys who are going into the big leagues in the first or second round. So I think you have to take that with a little bit of grain of salt, but still 205th in the country, that doesn't bode well for them. And like you said, they lost um, they lost their two best hitters. So I think um, if Northwestern can keep the Texas offense out of it, we've seen how the Cats can string together runs out of nowhere. Um, and I think that it, where I think we're going to see if the Cats were to take a game or two out of this four-game set against Texas, we're going to see a game exactly like that. And even though they lost their two leading hitters from last year, they've had some newcomers and some guys improve this year on the offensive side. Zach Zubia, a redshirt freshman, DH, is coming to the year hot, hitting some, hitting a couple dingers against LSU. That's a pretty impressive way to start your co collegiate career. And then Cody Clemens, uh, you guys may have heard of his dad, Roger. Played a little bit in the big leagues Who's here that? and there. Yeah, you know, <laughs> had a solid career, you know, did a little bit of stuff there, but... His brother was one of the better hitters on the team last year. Now he's stepped up. He had a, a slow couple years to start things out, but he's on an eight-game hitting streak to start the year. And baseball, I'd say it's safe to say, is in his bloodline. Yeah, you would think so. <laughs> uh, no, but they, they clearly have a lot of talent here. And uh, Zach Zubia, he played in the Northwoods League last year. I actually got to see him. He yeah. Played against, uh, he played for Rochester. So he played against, uh, against my Duluth Huskies, and he set the Northwoods League record for most home runs in a season. That's a 72-game season. It's a wood bat league, right? With uh, with uh, now his home ball, his home ballpark in, in this Rochester Honkers ballpark was the shortest fences in in, oh, in the uh, that's big. in the Northwoods League. But even when he came to Duluth, uh, my ballpark where they had the the longest fences, it was like th almost three fifty down the line. Um, he still managed to hit a couple dingers off uh, off your Duluth Huskies. But uh, no, he he's got so much power. Yeah, he, he's a he's a big bad man. I, I, I got to uh, even like in like walking around the clubhouse and post game meals. I like cross paths a couple times. This is a mountain of a man. The kid's like nineteen, <laughs> yeah, um, which is really scary. But um, no, he he's a stud. I think he's gonna be uh, he's gonna if he gets a couple well located pitches, a couple high inside fastballs, a couple breaking balls that uh, guys leave up in the zone. He's gonna put on a show uh, in Texas. Two homers against LSU is no joke at all. No, LSU is very good at baseball. Yes. <laughs> No, I mean, he, he had 22 home runs in that Northwoods League, which is insane. It's ridiculous. Especially yeah. for a wooden bat league. I mean, come on. But he's, he's part of one, that, that top six, and that's in the first uh, part of the lineup for, for Texas. And that's really, really scary. I mean, their lowest batting average in their top six is uh, 281, which is, which is so scary for, yeah. for Northwestern and, and really any other team in the nation. But uh, 
really what I what I'm most excited to see from a, a hitting standpoint on Texas and Northwestern is really that kind of that kind of battle at the uh, the leadoff spot first in the order with uh, Ben Dickey and Cody Clements. Really, Ben Dickey's really uh, really been doing some good stuff with Northwestern this year. Really, he's really been uh, a bright spot for the team, and uh, their their coach has even uh, even said that himself. Yeah. So I think I think that's going to be a fun little uh, little duo to watch to see how they uh, can spark spark things for their offense. That's one other key for Northwestern, at least in my perspective for this series, is the Wildcats, I think they have a pretty good advantage on the base paths. This is a fast team, and they like to run. They're already in front of the Big Ten in stolen bases on the season, and that's something that I may not expect to change because... Look, you had some fast guys from last year's team like Dickey and Dunn and Arrow, and now you're adding in David Dunn as well, who, just like his brother, is very fast and loves to run. And I think you got a pretty good combination uh, on the base pads that's going to give some teams some fits this year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think um, <clears throat> Northwestern has, got it, has gotten it done like that uh, in years past, but I think um, you know they're, they're a scrappy team, and they, they played uh, the type of baseball that uh, my coach hearkened to me in high school. It's get them on, get them over, get them in. Right, yep. it's it's just it's fire up the merry-go-round, get guys around the base pass any way you can, and put pressure on the defense. Right, the more pressure you can put on opposing pitching staff in terms of just even just dividing attention between the guy in front of you and the guys behind you on the base paths, that goes a longer way than you might think, especially for this Northwestern team that <clears throat> I think is going to be um, they're they're going to be more strapped for runs than you might think uh, this this Texas series. Well, one of the things that we mentioned how Texas is an extremely young team, which means. To an extent, they're relatively inexperienced, which you can't really say that about them much because it, it is Texas, and they are really looking good so far. But I, I think that they, they can really catch Texas on some of those those young issues. I mean, against LSU, they went up 5 to nothing in their second game, and they uh, they ended up blowing that, losing 10-5, to and that was due to errors and stuff, and that's really not something that's a normal characteristic of that Texas team. So if they can catch these, these young mistakes made by this uh, new talent, I think that Northwestern can can really find themselves in a good spot this weekend. Before we do predictions for the weekend, let's take a quick look at the pitching staff for the Longhorns. They'll have Nolan Kingham going on Friday night. This was one of the better pitchers in the whole Big 12 last year. He had uh, he was just absolutely dealing for the Longhorns, cemented in that Friday night role. And It's not very often that you have a good Big 12 team bring back their Friday night guy for a second straight year. But Texas is doing that. They'll have Chase Sugar sliding into that Saturday spot. This is a guy who was pitching out of the bullpen last year, but can run it up to the mid-90s with the fastball, has a plus curveball and slider. However, he's had some control problems in the past. He's going to try to keep the ball on the ground. It's really tough to get balls elevated off of him. And finally, the other guy I want to touch on is Bo Ridgeway, who is their closer, preseason All-America second team. Another guy who was absolutely locked down in the bullpen last year with 12 saves. Again, it's just not very often that a Big 12 team, you always see, especially in this conference, some of the top talent, the Friday night guy or the closer, these guys end up leaving for the draft right away, or they kind of fall into that role by their junior year. But both of these guys had cemented their roles last year, and it's hard to imagine them doing anything but get better coming into this season. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be it's going to be exciting. I think uh, the Cats are going to get what they signed up for. They're going to get to see yeah. some premier talent uh, in the Big Twelve. And again, tempered, different expectations going into this. Of course, you want to try to take as many as you can off the Longhorns. Um, but I think uh, I, th- I think the, the goal is right when you see guys comparable to that in Big Ten play, you're ready for it. 
right? It's just having that experience under your belt. Um, but I think also just the Kansas series gave them a little bit of confidence. They're going into this series. Uh, they're not expecting to lose any of these games by any stretch of the imagination. They are saying, no, any, any, given, any, given, any given Sunday, if you will, right, <laughs> um, they can come in and, and win a game on the road against a Big 12 team. And I, I think, that, that's, again, that's a big win, just that attitude alone. I think Spencer Allen is going to be really happy with this team after this series. You know, win or lose, I, I think it's a great development spot for them. And honestly, I like you said, baseball, it's one of the best sports, if not the best sport in, in the world. Anything can happen at any mm-hmm. at any given time. Really I mean if you if you perform that day, you can you can easily take take out one of the best opponents in the country. And I think Northwestern finds this Texas team at one of the best possible times imaginable. It's funny we talked about uh, Bo Ridgeway, their uh, their lockdown closer, and he's you know preseason All American, really just at the top of every single MLB scouts list probably, and um, he's got a seven five ERA, and he's he's hasn't really struggled, but I think they're guys like him, they're they're finding it a good time, and I, I think I mean. Their their starters have been absolutely phenomenal this year, but if they if they can really just we we saw Northwestern struggle against uh, the bullpen of Kansas in a couple games, if they can if they can tear away through these bullpens and really find a way to score runs late in the game, I think that that'll also be a big factor for Northwestern. All right, before we move on to the final part of this podcast, which is the interview with Spencer Allen, let's do some predictions from the room. Since I'll be on the broadcast, I will refrain <laughs> from predictions in this segment, but. Henry and Ben, predictions for this series. Ah, uh, my if 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 I had if I had a, a line, I think it would be it would be at one and a half. I yeah, think that would be my over under. Okay. Um, I don't know, but I'm but I'm feeling a, a little optimistic. Like, like you said, uh, Ben, I think they caught this Texas team at a pretty good uh, time. I think they are still figuring some things out as well, right? They're in the midst of their non-con. It's not like they're you know. They're not in midseason form by any stretch of the imagination. So I, I, I don't think it's unrealistic for Northwestern to take two. Yeah. I think they will take at least one. But I think if, if you were to come into Texas and take two, wow. What what a, what a marquee pair of wins. That's a statement uh, in your right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's going to be tough. The two of these games are a doubleheader. So um, God bless you for doing a, a solo doubleheader. <laughs> We're going to have uh, all kinds of stories for you guys yep. on the broadcast. Oh, I believe it. Um, no. Uh, the... It's, it's going to be exciting for you, but I, I think um, I don't, I'll play the optimist. Why not? Two games. I'm, I'm feeling. I love uh, it. I'm feeling hot on the cats. Ben. You know, I for, before I say my prediction, I want to say I'm so jealous of you for getting to go on this uh, this trip this week, because this was that was my first ever college baseball game was at UT. So really, just uh, some sentimental memories for me there. But with that being said, I I I think I think winning a game would be a win, and it would be a win for the entire series in itself for Northwestern. But really, best-case scenario, if they could split that series, that would be a huge, huge statement. And I think it would be a great build from last season, really proving that this team actually is improving. They, they are, they're no fluke. They're, they're a great team. So I think that that would, that would really prove something for uh, the rest of the year. And if they can take two, they can easily beat anyone in the Big Ten, for right. sure. I'll put, uh, yeah, I'll put it to you this way. You take two off Texas, you took as many games uh, as LSU did off them. Pretty impressive. Series, right? LSU's yep. good at baseball. Yes, they, yes, they yes. are. All right. The, there we have the prediction segment here. We'll have all those games on our Mixler page. Again, that's one Friday, two on Saturday, and one on Sunday. Looking forward to it. I hope you guys are as well. Thank you, Henry. Thank you, Ben, for coming on. And now the final segment of the podcast, our interview with head coach Spencer Allen. 
I'm here on Wednesday before the Texas series with Coach Spencer Allen. And Coach, a big series last weekend against Kansas. You got to see some real good talent. Uh, Jackson Goddard on Friday, Ryan Zephyrjohn on Sunday. But that game on Saturday, let's start with that one. 18 <laughs> runs. Did you think you'd score 18 runs in a game at any point this season? <laughs> well, I, I think you, you're, you're always hopeful uh, yeah. that, that, that you can. But no, pr- proud of the guys. It, it, was a, it was a tough game. The conditions, it, it was cold and um, what was definitely, it was a tough strike zone, very small strike zone. I think that led to uh, a lot of the, the runs. But at the same time, you know, guys just took advantage of, of their opportunities. And, and um, you know, we, our first inning, I think we, they, the, they struck out the side. We struck out, uh, you know, three in a row. And you're going, ah, gosh, coming off of a loss. And, but the guys just continued to, to fight and, and put some good swings on the ball. And it was, it was fun to see. And then one of the biggest stories of the weekend on the offensive side was Willie Bourbon, who's coming into the Texas series with three home runs on the season. It's a great offensive explosion from Willie. Did you know we had this kind of power coming into the year? You know, Willie's always, yeah, he, he flashed it throughout uh, his career. And, and I, I think that the fun thing for us is, is just seeing him uh, hit the ball to the middle of the field, opposite field. I, I think that's, you know, you, you look at all good hitters that they, they show the ability to do that. Willie has, has shown pull power at times, um, but I think that's also gotten him in trouble a little bit. So I, I think he's really just coming into his own. And again, this is a, a junior who's had a lot of, lot of at-bats, so uh, we, we do expect it out of, out of Willie and, and, and happy for him. And he struggled last year, there's no getting around that, but he showed really good promise his freshman year as an everyday player. What happened last year and how has he changed that and maybe used that to his advantage coming into this season where he's been off to a red hot start? Yeah, I, I think a, a lot of it is, is you know, he, he's done a, lot, done a lot of work on his own to get his swing and his um, swing path to where he is uh, staying in the zone longer. And, and when you're doing that, you, you realize that you don't have to try to cheat the pitches. Uh, obviously, if, if pitchers and pitching coaches in that we play and, and with more and more video out there, uh, they're, they're going to find your weaknesses. And, and I think that's what was happen, uh, happening with Willie as far as last year. Uh, he went out and, and, you know, he battled this summer, got better. And um, we're, we're just glad to see him uh, w- w- with the hot start here for the Cats. And then on Friday and Sunday against Goddard and Zephyrjohn, two guys who are MLB draft prospects, Zephyrjohn touching the mid-90s with that fastball. How does that help your guys to get experience against really talented pitchers like that? Well, you know, I, I think there, there's no doubt about it. I, I think in our league and just in baseball in general, you were starting to see a lot more velocity. Um, you know, I think Jeff, Zephyr John uh, put up a 98 on the scoreboard, <laughs> and I, I did a double take. I, I said, are, are those lights all working out there? Is that is that a misread? But um, it, there's no doubt it's going to help us. And I think even just heading into this series uh, with, with Texas, they're going to have some, some good arms, so arms that can pitch. Um, but I think our guys have, have seen, you know, as good a stuff as, as we're probably going to see. So now we have to use that to our advantage, and, and hopefully that, that uh, you know, offensively that can be a big, uh, you know, a big boost for us seeing these, these type of arms. One other note on the Kansas series. Right now you guys lead the Big Ten in stolen bases. Is that part of your coaching philosophy? Is that something you'd like to see continue as the whole season goes on? There's no doubt about it. I, I think, again, as you get, um, you know, some of that is your personnel, too. And guys like, um, you know, Jack Dunn has really increased his speed. His brother David Dunn. Uh, Alex Arrow is working on some instinctive. has gotten faster, but just is working on in, his instincts on, on, on stealing bases. 
Ben Dickey in, in the everyday lineup it has, has really helped. And then guys like Leo Kaplan, um, you know, have, have stole some bases for us too. No doubt we, we like it. I think we understand it's going to be tough. At Kansas was doing a pretty good job of really trying to slow that down. Um, and then getting leads, if we can get leads, that helps. You know, you can get a little bit more aggressive. It's tough if you're down to uh, to risk, you know, stealing bases as much. So uh, I think all of those things will, will, will help to hopefully keep that, uh, you know, that aggressiveness going. Now let's talk about the big Texas series this weekend. It's going to be back-to-back series against big 12 teams. Not sure when the last time in NU history that happens. It's certainly the first time in your tenure. And... How did you just first go about scheduling back-to-back Big 12 series on the road against some big-time programs? It's, it's a big step for this Northwestern baseball program. Yeah, no, I, I think one of the things that, that uh, there, really there's two things. The, the first thing is, is I, I think about the student-athletes, right? And uh, I want them to be excited to go play. And, and there, there's certain venues, there's certain teams, Texas, a perennial uh, powerhouse. Um, you know, if you're not excited and, and fired up to go play Texas, then you know, yeah, we need to check your pulse. And and um, you know, I, I think that's that's number one. And then and the other part of it is is just again, if we're gonna uh, play at a high level, uh, you want to be challenged early on. We're just this team can handle. Uh, they're they're not. We don't need false confidence and going in and trying to get a bunch of, of easy wins, this team realizes, hey, when we play good, sometimes you, you can still get beat by, by a better team, and that's okay, you know, and, and the, the wins and losses aren't as important as it is to see how we're playing, you know, and, and so that, that's going to be uh, just important and fun to watch uh, that, that unfold this weekend. Was this something you wanted to do from the first time you got to Northwestern? Did you want to schedule games against these big powerhouse programs? There, there's no doubt about it. I mean, and, and I, I probably can't say the future year's schedules, but you'll you'll see in future years we're going to do the same thing, you know. And, and um, because, again, I, you know, I want our guys excited to go out and play. Uh, I, I want them to experience some of these, these venues. Uh, and then at the end of the day, I, I want them – tested and ready to go because again on Friday night in the Big Ten uh, it's going to be very similar and 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 I think that's an income playoff and and hopefully regional times for this program Uh, these are the types of teams we're going to see so uh, it should be fun and then let's talk about this Texas roster a little bit so second year under their new coach and he really made some big strides last year with that program they're returning a lot of talent let's start with the Friday night guy who you're going to see Nolan Kingham that is a stud at the top of the rotation he dominated Big 12 play last year what's going to be your approach against a talented established pitcher like that yeah you know he, he's going to be similar uh, uh to goddard uh, from from kansas as far as stuff wise his his breaking ball command may be a little bit better um he may have the ability to pitch inside a little bit more um but again the, it, it's not our, our guys are not going to be overwhelmed you know i, I think we, we've talked a lot about I, I don't know what the crowd situation will be we talked a little bit about handling that uh, part of it but if guys can just get in and and you know recognize they're going to say hey it's going to be very similar to to a goddard so okay let's let's go compete against you know one of the 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 nation's best arms and, and see what we got and then looking at the position player side for them they're returning some talent there as well but there's still a lot of turnover with that texas lineup and they only have one senior coming into this year so how does that make your scouting job a little bit more difficult when 
for a lot of these freshmen, you're only going off of what two weeks of playing time, right. and you're going to be pitching against them next week. Yeah, they, you know, they, they've, the, the the video has has really changed the game, uh, and, and just being able to see them, I watched all three of their games against LSU, uh, and, and they're they're tough. First off, Coach Pierce is, is one of the best uh, head coaches in the country. His teams, they're they're they they're always tough. Um, and you know that that's how I describe them. That they're, they're they're tough at bats. The Clemens kid is is special. Obviously, yeah. I think he has some bloodlines. You know that <laughs> uh, I think his dad played a couple years, a couple games. He's in, right. in, in the, yeah, yeah. So uh, the Hamilton kid, I'm really looking forward to seeing him as a shortstop, one of the nation's top shortstops. Um, so it, it, again, it's going to be fun, and I think hopefully our guys, after four games, you know, against against Texas here, realize that hey, we're we're, we're right there and, and have an opportunity to compete with, with the nation's best. And you mentioned the four games. You guys were supposed to play four games earlier <laughs> this year against Omaha, but then the travel issues, the fog came into play. So it's baseball. That's what happens. But would you have liked to play four games in that series just so you, you guys have the experience with a four-game series, especially in three days like this set? Yeah, I, it would have been nice. And, and really all we're, we're trying to do is, is just – get a, an overall feel for our team so the more times the more games we have an opportunity to play just the better you know and, and figuring out roles uh, I think that's what everyone in the country right now is trying to do is who who fits best on Friday Saturday Sunday pitching wise who can close out a game what's your your lineup look like against a left-handed pitcher right-handed pitcher so just all of those things and, and you just need games to to figure those those things out. And then with the Saturday start, they'll most likely go with Chase Sugart on one of those days. That's an electric arm mm -hmm. on that kid. He can hit the mid-90s with the fastball. But he doesn't have too much experience starting. Do you guys have an approach to maybe work on him a little bit in that start? Well, I think we, we have to get to his fastball. And I think uh, he's got a little bit. i got to see him a little bit. I think he's got a little bit of run to it. So our righties, you know, that, that can be, be tough if we're not getting him out over the plate, um, you know, it make him command his secondary pitches. That That's going to be important. Um, and then and then pushing him down, that, that's the, the one thing we got. And I think our guys hopefully have learned um, is that we, we just can't, when you, when you have that kind of velocity, you can't chase up in the zone because you're just, you're just not going to catch up to it. And um, so I think those are the things that, again, if we can learn, uh, from our approach from from last weekend against Kansas, seeing their you know that velocity, um, I, you know I, I'm expecting our guys to go out and, and compete. Now transitioning to your pitching side, four games in three days obviously is a little tight on the arms. Do you have a how much of a set plan are you going to have versus how much are you just going to have to to feel out these games? I mean we'll we'll have a plan going in, and, and I think hopefully again week three we we start getting a little closer. Uh, to that plan, I, I think uh, again the good thing is uh, our bullpen guys are probably going to get uh, at least our top guys are probably going to get two outings. And, and again, the more times you get out on on that bump, uh, just the, the the better feel that we're going to have for them. And 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 in Big Ten play, that's what will oftentimes happen on a Friday night. You know, you'll come out and maybe throw two innings as a as a reliever, and then bounce back on Sunday. So again, we're we're preparing. Uh, you know, for for Big Ten play, and and you know these are some of the things that we're going to have to do, um, you know, moving forward. So it'll be good. How do you balance at this point in the year, just getting guys reps on the mound, especially the first years, versus the in-game situation? Say it's a 
3-2 game, you want to go to a lefty, but you got some righties who you want to get some innings. How do you balance that at this point in the year? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think a lot of it is at, at some point, you know, we, you just have to f- figure out. And, and, I, and I think it's it's definitely not an exact science, you know, and it's, it's you know, I give Coach Reynolds a, a lot of credit. He, he puts a lot of thought and a lot of um, – you know, just just looks at the numbers. Uh, you know, as far as hey, you know, what are the chances of this guy going out there throwing strikes? Because at the end of the day, that's if, if we're going to get beat, we want to get beat with the bats moving, not not guys walking. So, um, I, you know, Coach Reynolds just does an outstanding job with that. I throw in my two cents here every now and then, but um, you know that that's really uh, you know Coach Josh Reynolds doing that. Last question for you. It's a two-parter. What's your main goal for this Texas series? What are you trying to get out of it? And then what's your number one key for achieving that goal? Yeah, I, I think the, the number one goal is, is just really being settled moving forward on a, a lineup. I, I think that's. I think we're, we're close with that, but I think that, that, would, that would be the, the one thing that I'd really like to, to see, both right and lefty. I think we're going to see mainly right-handers from Texas. So, um and, and then the the biggest thing is just really seeing a some some consistency with with the the pitchers. We we've seen what guys can do, um, whether it's in the indoor or even this fall. Uh, we we need to get guys. We've had some guys that okay, good outing against Omaha, took a step back or vice versa. Uh, we we just need to figure out who's going to be consistent um, on the mound. So I think those two things is, is figuring out our lineup, kind of moving forward as well as um, just seeing who's going to be consistent uh, you know, on, on the mound. All right. Thank you very much, Coach. Looking forward to it. All righty. Go Cats.